Excellent, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Awesome. Welcome to Facing the Crowd, Mike. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's so good to have you on. It's been a long time coming. It really has, hasn't it? We've been (laughs) planning about trying to arrange it for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where are you guys? You come from a fucking rehearsal or something? What's going on? Yeah, it's my rehearsal room. So, right on. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we use it as a studio for the podcast as well. So very wise, yeah. D- doubling up, no yeah. extra fees, doubling up. <laughs> hey, that's the recession, man. Everybody's on the meat. Exactly yeah. that. <laughs> so, Mike, I- I'm Perks, and this is Hobo. Or hello, Perks sir. Lee, Lee, Lee and Sam, as we're known to our. Family. I was going to say those some fucking uh, <laughs> rap singer handles you got going there. <laughs> I've always been known as it because it's the name of my band. You see, so the band's called right. Hobo. So. When we were trying to think up clever names for the podcast, that's just what got thrown out. Yeah, he was like, I'm not not going to be good. What kind of band was Hobo? Uh, We're kind of um, uh, sludgy, southern, kind of um, down, corrosion of conformity, that kind of stuff, really. Sounds fucking great. Yeah, cool, man. (laughs) I'm pleased you approve. (laughs) So how are you doing? You had a good day? Uh, Yeah, it's been all right. I've caught the sun a bit too much, as you might be able to tell. Um, It's hot out there. It was my kid's sports day, so oh, nice. he did a lot better than I thought he was because, you know, he's not the most agile or, uh, you know, uh, compassmentous of children. Right, right. How old, how old is he? He's 10. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I've he's got an idea. And uh, he's a ramshackle. I thought he had dyspraxia for a while, but he's uh, he's just, uh, he's, he's on the autistic spectrum, but... um. He's not particularly impaired. It's just we now we've got a little hat to put on his fucking eccentricity, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's marvelous, absolutely marvelous. Had a great oh, time, bless. and I had to do the dad's race. Oh no, and, uh, <laughs> I did. I didn't win because it was it was like you know all the dads all crammed in trying to run, fucking <laughs> outdo each other, and it turned into a fucking car crash, man. Everybody rolling about on the floor, and skipping over dudes. It was like fucking. Oh uh, mate. Yeah, oh, we wasn't allowed to do anything in my one. No, so no. About a month ago, it was all like everyone sit there on the floor. Oh, it's political correctness gone mad, man. Oh no, that's health and safety. Sorry, <laughs> just and just watch the kids compete. You know, but my, well, the, my all the risk right. assessments were filled out. You know, everybody had to sign something. All that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it was good though to finally see him. Actually, well, actually, to finally go into his school. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? All right, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> Going to school and then saw him do something. So, yeah, that was... Oh, Always That nice. was awesome. Yeah, it's nice. So, yeah, so um, we're called Facing... Come on, the... do your worst. Make me as fucking <laughs> profound as possible here, because <laughs> I, I, I don't do interviews. I haven't done one. I put my last album out about two years ago and didn't do a single interview, as I recall. Really? Um, I didn't have a press agent. I decided to not bother because it's just, 
you you pay a press agent to go around emailing everybody they know, saying, "Hey, do you want to interview Mike Van Art?" And they go, "Who? No, I don't know." Um, oh, and uh, it's fine. I got nothing much to say. So unless you're if you, unless you've got really good questions, this is going to be really boring, mate. It won't be boring because we've got good questions. I'm sure of it. I've, I've seen I've seen you on I've seen you on YouTube, Mike. And you were an absolute great crack on there. <laughs> Some of them podcasts you did. Okay. Yeah, um, mate. All right. Yeah. Fucking hit me up. What do you got? All right. So, um, so I was I first became aware of your talents. Um, I saw you. I think it was at the forum. I don't even know what year it was, but you were supporting the Sisters of Mercy. Oh my God! Do you remember that? I, do. I think you only had. Uh, I think Ocean Size only had two EPs out. Because well, that's all that. Yeah, you had. we did. We I think we put an EP, a second EP out. You know, like fuck, man. That that was an eventful situation, right? Because we just got signed and yeah. we thought getting signed meant here we go, we're gonna start getting the gigs now, where we've got all this clout behind us, and the only tour we could get was supporting the Sisters of Mercy. Which, you know, they I get I guess they're kind of in and out of fashion in yeah. a way. You no, know, yeah. they they kind of something that They've never been as 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 popular or as cool as the Cure in in that sort of realm. But yeah, you know, exactly. if you're into that kind of thing, I guess they're. I mean, anyway, fuck it, whatever. We, um, oh god, we didn't. We spent all day at the first gig, and it's a big. It's one of the biggest gigs we'd ever played. You know, we're really excited, and uh, we're waiting to sound check, and all our gears on the stage, and their crew are just kind of getting high. You know, just hanging out and thinking, well, you know, we're not going to, we didn't want to exert our authority because who the fuck are we? And suddenly the doors are open and it's like, oh, well, we've not sound checked. And it's like, yeah, no, you won't be doing that. So we just, we fucking walk on stage, absolutely breaking it. And before I've even picked my guitar up, there's people throwing fucking lit cigs at us, booing. Because you were smoking that days in in the venue, you know, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be fucking good." And uh, yeah, anyway, it was great. The crowd went wild, and the Sisters of Mercy. Well, they set the fire alarm off every single night without fail because really? they do this thing, which I actually think is fucking awesome, where you can't actually see the band at all. Yeah, it's, it's just dry ice, isn't it? Dry ice and occasional silhouette, a bit of someone's hair. <laughs> And uh, fabulous. I fucking thought it was great. Really. I'll tell you what, because obviously, like, the internet and that wasn't a big thing back then. And obviously, I didn't know who you guys were, but I bought both EPs that night. I've still got them. But um, awesome. obviously, I'd gone to see the sisters, and I didn't even I didn't even know what they looked like, just because you, I just didn't, you know, like I say, the internet wasn't a thing. And I was expecting, like, um, Andrew Eldridge to come out, like, with, like, a black, cape on or something do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and he came out and he had like i think he had like a hockey top on or something and he was all yeah, like, like, did, like yeah. bleach hair or something and i was like this isn't what i expected no and i, I did... loved it apparently he had form for like you know going on stage in fucking hawaiian shirts and all that just to mm. piss off and it was mad because <laughs> they were such a big deal they had, the, they had they had the same front row every single night it was like people coming over from brazil and fuck knows where else to, to come and see them it's like Hats off to them, man. It's like they've not put a record out since fucking the 90s or something, yeah. mid-90s or something. So it's like, and they're still doing it now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, half the set's still filled with, like, the new kind of techno-y stuff, isn't it? And, right, and right. And then you still, sometimes they'll go into, like, some of the hits as well. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, you... to them, man. You know, like, 
it's hard to, there's not a whole lot of influential, in fact, I said this to Eldritch, I was like, are you the only fucking good band to come out of Leeds? Because at the time, there was nothing, he went, no, Gang of Four. Gang of Four. That, that yeah, was after okay. he bawled at me for calling him Andy, and he was like, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> he didn't like that, he didn't like that, no. no. Andy. But no, he was, he was good to us, you know, he's got, like, he has got a reputation, uh, but he was sound with us, he's a, he's a very considered He's very intense, you know, but he, he was fine with us. He was great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Oh, was, that, was, was that just a UK tour? Was that you just might a... just be the only person I've ever met that that got into us off the back of scenes as scenes with the Sisters of Mercy, though. I was in the front row. I didn't flick cigarettes. You know. Wow. Good I apologise for not flicking them, but um, <laughs> no, it was amazing. You reached someone. Yeah. It was um, him. Yeah, like, it's just, you know, just the music just hit me straight away, you know, I just loved it from, from right, the word go, you know. Fantastic yeah. stuff. Crazy days. Yeah, man. So, so what was like the uh, what was the first like gig you played like as an artist? Was that with Ocean Size or was that with someone else? Or, um, I was in a band when when, when I was thirteen. I got headhunted. Uh, no, I can't. No, I was. No, I was fucking. I was fifteen, sixteen. Oh, I can't remember. Basically, I'd done work experience at a guitar shop in Leeds. Mm. And uh, a week later, these guys who had been signed to RCA Records and just done all these festivals around Europe, um, they were looking for a guitar player. So this guy, this old dude working in a guitar shop where I'd just been working, they were like, he was like, I know a guy. He's only fucking 13, but he can play like fuck. So, and, and back in those, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I was a bit of a shredder. That's my sort of metal, sort of uh, musical education is, is all based around shredding and metal and fucking all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I ended up joining a band with guys when I was 13, they were like 27, uh, which was a fucking, Funny. an absolute age at that point. Uh, so I quickly you know, assumed this fucking role. And I was a really young 13 year old, you know, I didn't, I didn't have fucking pubes till I was 15. So it's like, (laughs) I'm just this fucking tiny boy. Um, And it was magic. So that was it. I, 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 I did a gig at Bradford Rios. I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. Do you know who I saw there? Go on. Uh, Black Label Society. Right. That's way on a similar tip. I saw Jakey Lee play there. Do you know Jakey Lee? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, Aussie's guitar. Well, one of his yeah, guitars. Yeah, so another Aussie guitar player. Yeah, And yeah, after yeah, the gig, funny. I got to shake his hand. I touched Jakey Lee, which is a big deal to me to this That's day. amazing. Because, like, he's pretty much my favourite Aussie guitar player. I can't stand nice. that wild, I have to say. You're not a fan? Oof, no. Too many false harmonics, man. Oh, mate. Do a chorus bit... on the fucking distortion? He's a, bit, he's a bit of a show-off, isn't he? He's a bit of a show But I love him. We went and, we went and saw him a couple of weeks ago, uh, me and a couple of mates, um, down in Folkestone. They played at Lee's Cliff Hall or something like that. And we oh. went down there, and... Um, they played the show, and the second they finished, we had we had a bit of a drive back to South because we're down in South End. Um, we had a bit of a drive, so we sort of ran out of the venue as soon as they finished and started walking along the cliffs. And all of a sudden, I looked round and I was like, "Hang on a minute, there's a guy with a white towel over his head with a fucking kilt on walking along." And I was like, "Was Zach Wild? It's got to be Zach Wild because yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. we just seen him on stage with a kilt." So I started walking towards him, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this fucking massive American guy 
walks up to me and he goes, fucking keep walking. Don't come near. And I was like, you what? I was like, it's a fucking public footpath. And anyway, so I left it. And then after a while, I just sort of sauntered back over there and this guy had gone and I shit Zach Wild's hand anyway to cut a long Oh, good, short. man. You know what? I'm I'm a sucker for, you know, that I'm talk, that happened to me when I was 15 or 16 or something. And to this day, I'm still a fucker for just going up. You know, I, if I see somebody in an airport or something, I'll just have to be like, I'm really sorry. Just fucking touch me and give me some of that bad. <laughs> fucking absolutely love what you do. That's all. See you. Bye. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a fan than anything else, to be honest. And it, oh, it, mate. it still happens. Well, we've chatted about music before, and you like, you know, like everything that comes out, and you know, you're obviously very much a muse. I'm completely into music, which is amazing. You know. Yeah, I'm, it's all I'm interested in. Mm, I mm. don't, you know, I've, I, I don't watch much telly. And uh, I'm a terrible reader. I think I need to get checked out for ADHD because I, I, I try to read a lot, but I, I just, right. it just don't go in. What about uh, music, music biographies? Does that? Oh yeah, yeah, they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so anyway, I, I, think I struggle with fiction as much as anything. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's fair enough. I mean, it's you know, if it's not something that really interests you, then. You know, no, I'm I mean, off- I, I want, I want to, look, I want to be able to read, but I, I struggle. I, I don't know why. I, I need to get my fucking self checked out for sure. <laughs> so you're 15, 16 and you're in this band. What were they called? Did you tell us what they were called? They were called Crosstown. Oh, nice, Ooh. nice. Um, and it was basically it was the drummers' band, and they were. It, he wanted to be in Van Halen, right? And, and so that was fine. And then. Uh, we did. We finally found a fucking singer, and then we broke up after one gig at Bradford Rios. Right, right. I, I guess a couple of years later. Oh fuck off! I've just turned you off. I, I a couple of years later <clears throat> went to Salford University, and they reformed behind my back with my mate on on vocals. No, and on you go, lads. Uh, but no, it was fine. It was like it was. You know, it's pretty cheesy. It's pretty awful, but. Um, it was good fun, especially in those days when, you know, you got you got the chance to show off your chops a little bit, you know. And it was when I went to uni that I, I sort of had to kind of unlearn a lot of what I'd learned because I'd got into pavement and Radiohead and things like that where scruffy playing was actually a little more enticing, you know. Yeah. Um, and now I'm trying to go back the other way because I've got no fucking technique anymore, you know. <laughs> Oh, you <laughs> We've all seen you play. Come on. <laughs> we know what you can do. <laughs> I actually saw you at the um, 2017 Glastonbury. Oh, yeah. Oh, what right. was that like? Yeah. Oh, I, my I, God. I went, With Biffy? Yeah. The whole, the whole set. And then I left straight after that because I think it was Ed Sheeran. I didn't want to see it. <laughs> no. No. Um, but, yeah. I've got, I've, I've got very... I've got very few words to say about that because it was fucking. I went. I, we used to go to Glastonbury a lot when when we were sort of teenagers, early all the way through our twenties. We used to go to Glastonbury. Come fucking rain or shine, we'd be there, you know. And uh, you know how it is. There's the, the, it's that period in your life where you can only you can only take ecstasy in that period. You can only fall in love in that period really you know it's like it's a magical fucking charge of 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 magic and energy in glastonbury 
you know, it takes a lot of shit from people who haven't fucking been. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. and uh, it's a magical, wonderful place, and it's fucking mellow, and it's, I love it. So yeah, to to actually fucking be on that stage, um, and to look out and go, you know, and and you know, imagining the spots where I've stood and I've watched fucking the flaming lips of. I don't know, Radiohead, who have I seen on that fucking stage? Every fucking Roger Waters. Mm. You know, it, it was just like, this is, this is it. This is fucking it. And I just got incredibly hyper. Um, and to a large extent, you know, th- th- those are the moments where you're like, well, this is it now. I have done it. Other than headlining this gig. I mean, I'm not playing my music, but it still means the same to me because. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, I fucking love Biffy's. Oh, you grew up there, haven't it? I mean, the, at one point, the drummer stood up, didn't he? And went, we just kicked your ass, class. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> I, like, I was like, yeah, you did. Like, I mean, and you know what? It was a well good, well good set. Well it good it feels like, you know, Glastonbury's finally getting its sort of heavy mojo back. You know, they had Napalm Death playing that year. Yeah, I saw that as well. I'm not, oh, not banging on about it, but. I no. actually because because I, I love metal and I saw the earache stage and I was like I'm, we're going to see that me and my brother went up on the Thursday and we saw yeah. that at sunset Napalm Death we we even saw um, Sex Pistols Sex Pistols guitarist in a tube carriage the earache tube carriage no way which, yeah which was because that stage where Napalm played was like well far out it was like yeah miles from where we put our tent yeah I've I've never been up there yeah it's quite there. cool up there it's kind mm. of kind of weird but. Yeah. yeah, so we just we saw Napalm on the first day, and then we 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 saw um, obviously the Foo Fighters, and then we saw you, and yeah, we actually because it was dry, we saw about eleven different bands. Well, that's it, you know. Um, you get around for for the most part with Glastonbury, people fucking lose their shit if the lineup isn't to their taste. But I've been and barely seen a single fucking band, and had the time. Yeah, in life. I'm the same. I, the first time I went, I spent most of it in this one particular tea tent, just like just getting stoned and yeah. i still come away like after like six days like that was the greatest experience ever <laughs> it's magical and and you know like i said i've probably been about fucking 10 15 times or something mm. but like every time i go it's bigger and it's a little bit different here and there you know the core of it is the same yeah there's different avenues to go off and but yeah that napalm death set is something that i still watch to this day i put it on in the tall bus the other day because it's all it's all on youtube and i'm like this is fucking as good as it gets, as far as I'm concerned. I fucking that that's that's actually what turned me on to Napalm Death. <clears throat> I knew Napalm Death back in the eighties because uh, they were pretty much the most extreme thing that you could ever fucking hear. And then, uh, but I found it a little bit like, yeah, it didn't really move me. But and I kept checking in on them, like, yeah, yeah, it was cool, yeah. But that set just made me go. I'm gonna fucking start paying attention to their their new material. It was good. I think um, at one point Barney uh, he just went mental. I think he sung scum or whatever, and he just went. He went. Lyric sheets are available online. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's everyone's like cracking up. I um this year we we just played Donington a couple of couple of weeks back, and I wasn't uh, the, the day before was Maiden were playing. I'm a fucking huge Iron Maiden fan. But um, I was like, no, I'm going to be a good boy. I'm not going to go down. I'm going to get a good fucking rest and be bright and fresh for this gig because it's a big gig. It's important. It matters. And then um, I woke up on the Saturday morning 
and realised that fucking Napalm Death were playing like a couple of hours before Maiden. I was like, right, how do I get there? How am I going to do this? Fucking flew down there on the crew bus just in time to see Napalm Death play three songs, <laughs> two of which were You Suffer, <laughs> which is a second long. How does that work? I think oh, just played no. You Suffer twice. <laughs> wow. Fuck, but I got got to see him do uh, Nazi punks fuck off, and it was just like you know, just to me they're they're like a real fucking benchmark of just as extreme and as experimental as metal can be in in a lot of ways. You know, there's other bands that are maybe more technical and more more far out. Like um, I don't know, what was that fucking? I can't remember the name. But no, I, I've heard of, me and Simon, basically me, me and Simon from Biffy, our relationship, much of it is you send each other the most fucked up music imaginable. <laughs> uh, and to me, Napalm are just fucking absolute pioneers to me. And it's it's incredible stuff. Um, I can't imagine ever working out how the fuck to play any of it. It's absolutely marvellous. <laughs> so talking about like the, the heavy, crazy shit. So Empire State bastard, talk us through it. What's going on with that? <sighs> Right, I'll have to be careful about what I can and can't mm. tell you. Uh, the record's in the bag. Uh, but the backstory is is that basically when I started playing for Biffy in 2010, a lot of people were, well, me and Simon just hatched this fucking, he'd had this name, Empire State Bastard, since forever. And in those days, we were doing a lot more party and a lot more staying up till fucking... <laughs> Seven o'clock in the morning, the back of the tour bus getting absolutely wrecked. <laughs> and it's you know, you put two fucking guy, two two musicians together long enough, they'll form a fucking band. So that was it. Um, eventually, it, so over the years, it basically became I was trying to write something, but I didn't really, I wasn't inspired. And for a while there, me and Metal kind of fell out of love with each other I, I, I don't know I just kind of lost my mojo in that respect a little bit mm. um, and then uh, in 2018 um, I had quite a major run in with the far right of this country um, I went and picked a fight with its queen bee and uh, it, it went quite badly now I quite enjoyed it because uh, it's all sport to me. I don't really give a fuck. They don't scare me. But it did cause quite a quite a kerfuffle in my family at that point. My my son was scared stiff. Right. Oh no. Um, What's this an online thing? Well, do you know that that, that guy he calls himself Tommy Robinson. So uh, I accosted him, quite the worst for wear, having had a, a very heavy night the night before. And, uh, yeah, he, he filmed me on Facebook Live, and I was a little uh, inarticulate at the time, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> um, not the proudest moment, but I know why I did it, and I'd do it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the right thing to do, so fuck it. Anyway, nevertheless, um, I stand by what I said, um, but the situation and the... Uh, oppressive and visceral and fucking very, very real nature of the response from the far right of this mm. country 
people were coming at me in their thousands. God, my word. Really? They were like within <clears throat> within an hour of this video happening, they were accosting my mother, my wife. Anybody that had tagged me on Facebook was getting it in the neck. And so I just had all these people going, what have you done? What's happened? What the fuck is this? Jesus. So I was pretty angry. And, and I was more angry because I was kind of advised to keep my head down, get off social media. Because Biffy were getting it in the neck as well. You know, mm, mm. There were calls for me to be fired from every fucking single job I've got. I've got a few. Um, so I was angry as fucking all hell and it just, it was like, right, I'm going to make a fucking hardcore album. I'm going to make a grindcore album. I'm going to make a thrash metal album. So fucking heavy and so poisonous. So I wrote two songs really fast and sent them to Simon. I was like, isn't this what that empire state bastard thing was supposed to sound like? And he was like, what the fuck is this? What have you done? (laughs) So I wrote a load more and uh and we turned it into a record. Oh my god. That's exciting. There's a little bit more there's there's another (laughs) there's another element to this story that's even bigger and better, but I ain't telling you what it is. No, fair play, mate. Some things have to stay (laughs) under wraps, right? But the record's in the bag, it'll come out soon through a label. I don't know fucking any more than that at this point. But it's really just cool. just emailed a demo to Hope, babe. We'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, going back to like obviously we've asked you um, you know, like the first sort of gig you played. What was like the first um the first band you sort of like big band you kind of saw live, like your first kind of gig? The first gig as a punter I, I ever saw was my mom and dad took primarily my brother, who was four years older than me, to see status quo the on my farewell tour. In 1984, right? Oh wow! In, in, at and Spa, it was their farewell tour. Coincidentally, I went to see their farewell tour again in fucking 2014. Yeah, I went to that one. <laughs> we saw them down the cliffs, didn't we, in yeah, South End? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it was a long farewell. Well, wasn't I, it? I, they used to play at the cliffs in South End like every year, so I used to go like every year. To see people them. were doing the quo lines, weren't they? Yeah, They're all yeah, doing yeah. standard line, doing the quo line. A lot of pe- people were always sort of like quick to mock them, but like some of their early stuff was like oh. incredible. Like what? What a group of musicians. Seventies quo is absolutely incredible, and I, I, I put them up there. To me, they're like. They're like Queens of the Stone Age or something. Mm. You know, it's mm. just that Queens are fucking got, they've got more distortion and they've, they're detuned, but it's the same shit. It's yeah. when, when I saw Queens of the Stone Age, it's like, this is just a pub rock band. <laughs> and, and that's, and Quo, they're, they're kind of like a fucking boogie rock band, but there's all these time changes and all, all that bullshit about, oh, there's only three chords. That's just a fucking running joke. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, there's the arrangements, the melodies. The riffs, the fucking groove, they're so loose. They're always on the fucking edge of their capabilities, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking awesome, man. I mean, specifically the the 70s stuff is so fucking rocking. You know, it's real as fuck. Yeah, um, no, totally. I actually got fucking asked to join Status Quo, believe it or not. Did you? Yeah. Oh, my God. What? When? Uh, when Rick Parfit, well, just before he died, he had right. to bow out of a tour. Yeah. Was it then? And so they got someone else. Before they got this lad in, they were like, the drummer is a big Oceanside fan. It's right, like, right. As are a yeah. lot of people. 
well, I know. Well, not enough. It's, it would appear. Um, <laughs> and they, uh, so yeah, he just he just got on to me, going, "Look, I know that you're busy with Biffy, but I've got to ask you." And I was like, "I can't do it." I, oh, I mean, mate, I know. It's the that's the weird weirdest things. Rick Parfit is pretty much the reason I picked up a guitar. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just so it was that gig where you were like, "This is what I want to do." What the like, quo? Oh yeah, yeah I mean like yeah. I mean like I'd, I'd been watching quo on telly, for, you know before that um and that was it i i what i tell you what what made me want to i don't know i, I at that point i was like guitar guitar i didn't play but mm. i just like music music rock and roll fucking guitar 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 and then watching quo were on at live aid i watched it on the telly and then later on there was black sabbath reformed with ozzy and that was it that was fucking it from then on i was like i want more of this ozzy guy got into Ozzy and then Black Sabbath. So when I was, it was when I was seven, I got like a box set of the first six Black Sabbath albums. Mm. That was it. Wow. I mean, it's, it's a to, to this day, place to start. I still fucking like, I've just, I just listened to those Sabbath records just all the fucking time. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're so unbeatable. rich. They're so um, authentic. Uh, again, it's that, that real fucking loose groove thing. There's so many mistakes left in them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not perfect by any stretch, but you know, it's like that old thing of like my favorite jeans have got fucking holes in them, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, exactly that. So fucking loose. There's no click track there, you know, it's no, no, no. fucking grooving man. Yeah. And I suppose like everything was just recorded live back then. Right. So that yeah, was just I, the way it was done. Yeah. No, I, I, I can't get enough of it. And, it's it's fair to say that in one way or another that that has shaped everything that set me up for life and it's mm. something that i just keep going back to and uh yeah nearly, i nearly broke ocean size up before we got signed even because mark the drummer he knew how much i love sabbath and he said black sabbath are irrelevant <laughs> fucking stop listening to them and i oh, was like, guitar down i was like where do we go with this where do I mean, what, what am i gonna do now i was like fucking you fucking love ridges machine sound garden alice and chains fucking even with sugar you know it's like there wouldn't be anything there would be fucking nothing without black sabbath nothing was totally, here, man. Man. oh god i was supposed to be is he's, he's touring he's confirmed it isn't he that he's touring again well, Ozzy, he's got another he, album, man. Yeah, he's just got an album another album. Well, he's it's about to, I think. It's not out yet. No, you don't think he'll tour? He had an operation a few weeks ago, didn't he? It's not going to happen. Patient number mm. nine or something. Isn't it? I hope it, you know what I'm being a twat. I hope it does because if it does, I'm going to go. Um, I absolutely love him. You know, it's like the thing is with Ozzy is it ultimately he's a fucking he's a clown and he's been he's been sold as such for the last fucking 30 years or whatever. His first three solo albums are absolutely fantastic. Oh, they are. But uh, as much as anything, those first <laughs> six Black Sabbath albums, some of the greatest singing ever fucking recorded, the most incredible, authentic and uh, soulful uh, vocals I've ever heard, and nobody sounds like him. No. My friend, no. My friend Carver's from Apart Cardiac. Apart from Zach Wild. Fuck Zach Wild. Always <laughs> says... Well, if you listen to the song Black Sabbath, he, he sound Ozzy sounds kind of like terrified and terrifying 
all at the same time, you know, is just this sort of uh, weakness and strength at the same time. And his sort of inexpert approach is what makes it so fucking unique, you know. Mm. Fucking incredible. Oh, completely. Absolute yeah. legend, isn't he? Long may he reign. Well, we we're, were lucky that we saw um, the original Black Sabbath at yeah. Don, Donington when they, yeah. when yeah, they got I, the original. I, I, I and saw the Ozfest as well. In 1999 was... at Donington. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably about, when we. What am I talking about? The, the Birmingham NEC. And I made great effort to get there because this is a boring story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. My mum had bought me a ticket to go see Black Sabbath. I was like, what? She was like, what do you want for Christmas? I was like, I want a fucking ticket to go see Black Sabbath. It's their last ever show. At fucking Birmingham NEC ever, 1999. And there was, there was two days they were doing. And uh, I went to go and get on the bus. It was one of those ticket and travel things. And there was nobody there. And I realised when I looked at the ticket, it was for the night before. No. And I was no, fucking no. like, you've got to understand how... Ah, oh, my God. Was. So <laughs> I managed to wangle it that I got, I, I, I got a ticket for, the fucking, for that night and got my mum to drive me. And uh, I was literally in row Z of the fucking Birmingham NEC at the very, very back. Got in just as their intro tape started. It was like, fuck, here we go, Black South, let's go. Um, Brought in a load of pre-rolled spliffs, I remember as well. Anyway, they started, they did a few songs, and Ozzy goes... Come on, everybody! It's the last ever fucking Black Sabbath show, and everybody's like, "Yes! Oh my god! I can't believe I'm here!" And then he goes, "Well, so they say." <laughs> and I was like, "You fucking cunt!" Like, people have flown from all over the world to be at that gig, and it's just a blag. It's like we ought oh, to do my... you for fucking false advertising. Oh, so many bands do it, don't they? Oh, I went them. to one at the O2 a yeah. few years ago. Like yeah. must have been five years ago. Black Sabbath's last ever gig at the O2 in London. <laughs> I mean, it probably is now. To be fair, well, to be to be yeah. fair, Beer World wasn't wasn't there exactly. No yeah. Ward, no Sabbath Man. No, yeah, it wasn't there that time. But yeah, no, the Aussies. We've seen Aussie. I've seen Aussie solo with Zach. Zach, you know, I Zach, saw him in 1987. At the uh, Birmingham NEC. Am, am I that much older than you, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm 87 now. 24. I mean, that's, that's good. He's older than me. No, he was 89. 89. There you go. Oh, oh didn't you Didn't you see Iron Maiden at Donut in 88? I did. When he was a kid. I did. Oh, and um, when I was bad, talking about the the other day, I went to Donington to, to watch him again because I'd woke up and I saw Napalm Death were playing and I was like, man, fucking Maiden are playing Donington. In all likelihood, they'll never do this again. You know, like Nico McBrain's fucking 70 or whatever. It's like, you have to go. You know, that because, you know, as I, say, I was 12 years old when I saw him at, um, at Donington in 88. And it's like, the things that, that fucking were magical to me then are still magical to me now. You know, they still mean the same thing. And I was like, I have to fucking do it. So I went down and managed to get myself, I was walking around while Maiden were playing, trying to get a good view. It was a bit bit tough because it was really busy. And I ended up finding myself in the exact same area that I was in when I was watching them when I was a kid with my mum. And it was dark. I'd had a few beers and I just sort of shut my eyes and I just was able to just sort of connect and go, 
yeah, this is exactly what it was fucking like. It, it was like this. And I was I was there. I was still there. Like, and I was and I still felt the same. I remember walking away from that gig in 1988 and saying to my mum, that was the best day of my life. And and in all honesty, sometimes it feels like it still is. Because <laughs> I'm like, it, it, it's the benchmark. And everything that I've done yeah. ever since has been informed by that because that's that's all it all it ever wanted. And you know, at the same time, I was trying to avoid the thought, it's like, I hope you're enjoying this, that's gonna be you up there tomorrow. You know, it's like fuck, no, don't think about that, don't think about that, you know. Um, it was fucking magic. And I actually got to meet them beforehand. The week before we actually played in Finland, we were on directly before Maiden. And uh, Steve Harris watched us, Adrian Smith watched us, and fucking Nicole McBrain watched us, and it was just. Were you terrified? I've, no, I've never. I've just never played so hard in my fucking life. I came <laughs> like the next day. I woke up feeling like I'd been in a fight or like I'd been run over or something. Oh my it was God. like this is this is happening. Your fucking heroes are watching you play. I am made and actually watching you do a set. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking mental, isn't it? And they were like Steve Harris watched the whole set. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Like freaking out, man. God, the Maiden are still brilliant, aren't they? When they play, they are. Like they haven't. They haven't dropped a bar whatsoever. Have they no. no, just as good. No, hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, what did you think of like the um, the Blaze stuff, man? Because we've had him on the podcast. He's a lovely guy. Hey, you know what? <laughs> the nineties were a fucking like. I say I fell out of love with with metal for the most part. So. Mm. Once Faith No More broke up, I I, I just went in, in a more, just sort of more psych- psychedelic, weird stuff and all that. Yeah. And then it weren't, when Maiden reformed, uh, I, I started going to see them for a nostalgic reason and then didn't sort of, didn't start appreciating them on a fully cerebral level again until uh, um, fucking Matter of Life and Death and all that. Yeah. But, the Blaze stuff, I didn't, I didn't dig it, but I listened to Blaze's solo album mm. a few months back, his latest one. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. You've got it, haven't you? I've got a CD. Yeah, 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 it's fucking brilliant. It's really underrated, and you know you've got to hand it to him. Apart from all the Maiden stuff, where he's, you know, he's been given a fucking poison chalice, and it's, it's like deal with this impossible scene, you know. Yeah. Um, his solo stuff is great. Yeah. yeah, he's got a massive really, following. He really has. He, I mean, yeah. he gets he gets around and he he gigs a lot, doesn't he? He's, yeah. And he he's always you know about the fans, isn't he? Plays. Well, this is it, and you know what? It, it didn't sound like Maiden, as I recall, either. It just sounded like he was doing his fucking own thing, and it was it was up there. I was like, fair fucks. You know? Solid, solid rock album, isn't it? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, so Oceanside. So you played um, Sonisphere, right? What, what did you think of that as a festival? Uh, 2009, will it be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, pretty sure it was 2009, yeah. Yeah, we were believe, there. Was it the first ever Sonisphere? Th- yeah, was there only one? Or was it was Metallica, two? wasn't it? Headline, yeah. Metallica, I remember it being uh, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, Machine right. That's right, yeah, they were on, yeah, they were over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they was were. it Machine Head as well? Uh, yeah. yeah, Machine Head played, yeah. I remember having some high-grade ecstasy. <laughs> Watching uh, Nine Inch Nails come on in the broad daylight, it was really sunny, and they came on with a sort of quiet, brooding piano instrumental, and then proceeded to play pretty much nothing but quiet, brooding piano. I know. I was really shocked by the set list that day. I remember that quite vividly. I was like, "Fucking loved it." 
I mean, I was it really was great. High. I was really high at the time, but um, I just loved that. You know, here we are, a metal festival, and everybody's trying to out fucking heavy each other. Blah. And they just come on and go, "We're not playing that game. Try it. Just, just listen." You know, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. The whole setup, just walking from one stage to the next. Yeah, I love that. I love that. The band ends, you just shuffle over there, and the band starts. Yeah, exactly. Just, just enough. Although that did backfire the other day. Uh, I played a festival with Biffy, and it was um, festival in Stockholm. And like Lord was on one stage and she had a pretty small audience for being such a huge pop star. Mm. On on this stage here, it's just fucking 10,000 people waiting for Pearl Jam to come on, facing an <laughs> empty stage, facing away from Lord. It was like, oh, wow. oh God, this is not fucking working out great. That must be, yeah, that must be quite hard to like to, to be that artist looking out. Exactly. Imagine performing to a huge audience who are looking the other way. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, never thought about that. Did that yeah. didn't really happen at Sonosphere, did it? I think no, maybe the stages were just time. far enough away. We and camped was... for the whole weekend at Sonosphere, and it was the first year that everybody started taking those fucking laughing gas capsules. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went armed with a million of them, and yeah, we had a caravan as well, so we, <laughs> we were very comfy. What was it like playing though? Were you were you on the same stage as Amplifier? I can't remember. I don't think did Amplifier no Amplifier didn't play that. We would have we would have been with Amplifier if they'd played it. So I'm sure they did because I've only ever seen them once. You know, it weren't that year. It might have been 2011. Yeah, could have been. But no, it was grand. We Oceanside famously didn't get booked to play festivals. You know, we'd by some fucking miracle played. V Festival in 2006, um, which was fine. It was great, in fact, because it pissed it down. If you're playing in a tent, the best thing you can hope for is that it fucking rains. Uh, We've got a captive audience. Of course. Um, But yeah, Sonosphere, I just remember the weather being great. We had a full tent and it went down great. Amazing. That's that's about as much as I... But you know, ultimately, if you ask me, what was this gig like in Ocean Size? It'll be either... It went great, or something broke, or the drummer was off his fucking head. <laughs> and so we fucked it. That, th- those, are, those are my three things, you know. Oh, or or occasionally, occasionally it'll be like, best gig we ever played. Yeah. yeah. There's only a few of them. It's, it's hard, isn't I it? think... Um... Just remembered about that sonosphere. That's the one where I got up on that truck and done Enter Sandman karaoke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was this karaoke truck, and I just got up there and was hammered. Many, many, many yeah. beers. That was <laughs> a long time. Yeah, ago, I've, I've got to get into karaoke. My missus really likes it, but I've not. I've never partaken, but she swears yeah. by it. So you, you have to. But you drunk. can sing. You, you Why wouldn't you do drunk. it? You can sing. I don't know. I think. I think apparently, you know, <laughs> that that's kind of the catch is that nobody wants to see somebody who can sing doing karaoke. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. You want to. You want to see some fucking guy called Fred completely fuck something up, then yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know, so hammered. I'd I'd love to. It'd be my one reason to perform my and Maiden or something in a pub, you know. And I could I could give that a good go. Yeah, that'd right. be well cool. Yeah, you anyway, can do you, it now. <laughs> you said that Metallica oh, yeah, song was only my second one. I've not got any more after that. So yeah, just going back to the to the Biffy thing. I mean, obviously you've played like every fucking festival now, right? I mean, and and just like headlined 
everywhere i mean what's like the standout gig what's what's like your favorite biffy gig because i've seen you know i was at the wembley thing that got released i was at the unplugged thing which was obviously very different at the roundhouse i was there for that i've seen biffy quite a few times um is there any particular show that like really stands out um this sounds really stupid but to be honest most nights i have a real moment Mm. Um, because ultimately I'm 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 struggling to, to to give you the conviction behind this, but I think I think it's true. It, if you're playing to 500 people who are going fucking bananas, it's much the same feeling as playing to fucking 80,000 people who are going to banana going bananas. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, but there's but you know that that Glastonbury show you referred to previously was a moment of like this is fucking real. This, this is it. Will never get any better than this. So, and and I'm really good. Uh, I'm I, I am a bit over sentimental, um, and I can always really cherish the moment um, because I I get a lot of opportunities during any given Biffy set to just soak it in for a minute. I don't play on every bit of every song. I don't sing all the time, so I do get a lot of opportunities to just, especially if you're outdoors. In a quieter moment to just feel the breeze just fucking give you a little chill and you you go all right now this is I'm, I'm actually here this is really happening um given the nature of Biffy's material it lends itself to feel in the moment it's all incredibly emotional for the most part some of it's you know patently ridiculous um and and that's that 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 entices me in a much different way mm um uh but yeah I, we did we did three in 2014 we did three nights at the Barrowlands in glasgow where it was like playing different albums different nights kind of thing and i got to play a bunch of songs from vertigo bliss which is well it, at the time it was one of my favorite biffy albums and it, it still is but i think their last three albums have just been so fucking psychedelic and weird that it's really it puts the old stuff you know in the fucking ground to me in a way it's like it takes it takes a lot of the same boxes it's just a lot more um colorful now um, yeah it's it's weird isn't it when you hear the fans just like literally like arguing like saying like anything past whatever is shit and all this it's like it's not you know I've, I've 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 <laughs> been that guy about certain bands and it's like oh get the fuck over it we've all we've all got our shit hot takes you know but it's like you know there's certain artists where I'm like, oh, fucking hell, those two albums have been shit. I really like, should do more stuff like the old stuff. It's like, well, they've done the old stuff. <laughs> yeah. You went to see that show a hundred times. You had your fucking fun. Now they're doing something else. Yeah, Move on, you know? And especially with something like Biffy, as they're a million times more popular. It's like, well, go back to being really unpopular. Yeah, why would anybody do that? fucking like it, will they? <laughs> Uh, anyway it's it's something it's something that comes up quite a lot i think but increasingly less you know for a while there there's all these different tiers of biffy fandom you know yeah anyway i mean that that that, that, those uh, barrelands gigs it was like they'd exhumed all these old songs from the first three albums and people were just losing their fucking shit because it was like 
we never thought we'd get to hear these songs again. Really obscure stuff. They went deep with the B-sides and it was fucking magic. It was absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, though, uh, you know, Donington the other day, again, because, you know, I'd been to Donington as a kid. This was the second time we'd headlined. Uh, the first time was great. I had a fucking amazing time. But this time it felt for real. It felt fucking... It was a much, much bigger crowd. It was... Mm. You know, it was a proper fucking gig. And there was this weird moment when we walked off. I was just like in my own fucking zone, carrying Simon's tequila, just having a few fucking belts going, yes. <laughs> and as as we walked off, this young lad just shouted for Simon just outside the dressing room compound. And Simon's there all sweating like fuck, you know, in his dressing gown. And he just went over and had photos with this tiny wee boy. And I just loved the fact that it's like, that would have been fucking me, but this kid's even younger. <laughs> just ima- imagine Collar and I are maiden after they've played fucking Donington and you get your photo. And that was it. I just fucking fell apart. I just started fucking crying. Oh, wow. Like, this, just you know, the emotion of just, it. It was just all this full circle kind of thing. I was like, it was magic. It's fucking magic. So that, yeah, Donington was great. And you know, there's a lot. The, the Donington crowd is pretty hard to um, hard to please because it doesn't yeah. matter who you are. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who's headlining. You go, oh, fucking hell, it's either no, not them again, or <laughs> they're not fucking being enough. You know, oh god, you know. There's only it's a certain good. amount of bands around, rock bands, metal bands around today that are big enough to even do that, right? Well, that's why Monsters of Rock Festival died in the nineties because it's like, well, nobody wants to see Kiss, ACDC, and Iron Maiden. All fucking time. No, that's right. You know that was that was it. <laughs> so soon they'll all be fucking dead. So you've got to get somebody else in, man. You know. So true. I mean, where can you see it all going? Who's coming up? Who's up and coming? Yeah, they, they're oh, you're asking the wrong you're, fucking dude. The thing is, we download. You know, look, I, I had a great time playing it. I had a great time got to see Napalm Death and I made in there. I don't know <clears> a single other band on the bill. Corn mm. were on before us. I know Corn. I don't know a single other band. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair enough. No, it's, no, it's it, you know, in terms of metal and all that, I don't. It, 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 for, for years and years, it was like we we used to play this festival. We did this festival in in Australia called Soundwave, and it that really encapsulated the moment where I went, "I'm fucking done with metal." It was just fucking Fifty Shades of double kick drums and fucking messa boogies, twin <laughs> vocalists singing about fucking just, you know, oh, family issues, like fuck <laughs> off. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit and preach about what metal should be about, but it Please. just felt, it felt like it, it didn't have, it didn't mean anything anymore. It was all the same. And we were like, and it's only when I sort of started getting into more, I call it tantric metal, like, you know, like fucking sleep and sun and, and just more neutrality and more emphasis on 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 the riff mm. rather than the proficiency that sort of golden fucking element that is the perfect fifth that's what metal is fucking based on is a fucking loud distorted perfect fifth and when you boil it down to its purest essence that's what you need to be ramming home and that's what all the best bands have done to me 
I love technical proficiency. I went to see Mayhem the other day, and it was fucking transcendental. They were absolutely <laughs> out of this world. I, they blew my fucking mind. Um, but at the same time, uh, I just I, I I went to Roadburn Festival, and that's that's where I really got my mojo back for fucking weird metal. You know, art, artistic metal for want of a better word. It was all these different kinds of bands, but they all had one thing in common. It wasn't whiny, you know, metal became too whiny. Mm, mm. You know, it, it, it doesn't need to be like that. I, I you know, it's, the, it, it's the kind of, I love Nirvana like as much as anybody else, but it's when metal tried to fucking incorporate that. Yeah. Uh, that, um, teenage angst thing into it. it just, the scene was so saturated, wasn't it? And every band just started to sound the same. It's fucking bollocks, man. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. It's pretty crazy. So let's talk about your last solo album, because obviously we were going to chat to you just after that came out. Right, um, okay. Is it that long ago? Hey? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and it's a fantastic album. We both still listen to it. Um, I've got the nature. I've got the nature vinyl. Oh, there you go. Oh, right, the, the eco vinyl. Yeah. That's nice one, man. I was yeah, lucky yeah. enough to get that. I don't own a record player, so <laughs> I didn't get the vinyl. But I did get the lovely book thing, which is cool. Um, oh, cool so, so yeah, I mean, you got so many good reviews on that album, and rightly so. So, you know, that must have been great sort of hearing that yeah because like i said i didn't i didn't pay for a plugger or anything and I, it, it was it was a surprise record i didn't do any fucking rollout um i ended up having to do a a, a week long a five day rollout because at, uh one sunday i got a text from dan carter um radio one he was like i'm gonna play that song tonight and i was like holy fuck right okay I've got to tell everyone everyone that I've got an album coming out on Friday. <laughs> and it still hadn't been mastered at that point. It was still being fucking done. Um, it's a strange one, honest to God, because that was me kind of clearing the decks and I, it was locked down, which we've agreed to not talk about, but it was, it was locked down. I didn't have any money coming in. I was like, I need to get a record out fucking pronto. So I just went through every logic project that I had, every session, bounced everything out and found a couple of songs. So like what became Elemental, Morning on the Range and something else, or the, um, Super Sleuth. They were all things that had just been sat there and I'd never finished. It's my, it's my fucking suspected ADHD where I just keep starting things and going, that's fucking great. And then oh, I don't know what to do with it. And I just forget all about it. Um, so yeah, I just fucking finished a lot of things, started a lot of new things. And when I was getting it mastered, I was like, oh, you know, this is, it's good. It's not as good as the last album. I thought it was a good sort of seven out of 10. Uh, But I was like, fuck it. I just got to get something out. And everybody fucking went nuts over it. Even like, because I post these things on, I use Oceanside's social media. And they usually ignore my stuff quite a bit because it's a bit, I guess the previous two albums were a bit too different to Ocean Size. I thought it was much the same shit, but um, apparently not. And um, for this album, they just went fucking crazy. I guess it's because it's mainly riffy. Again, it's got fucking big distorted fifths in it, and people you can't you can't listen to Super Sleep without wanting to shake your fucking booty. I mean, that <laughs> riff is insane. No, I'm proud of that one. <laughs> it's proud so good. One. God, when I first heard that song, I was like, this might be one of the greatest songs ever. <laughs> Thanks, I'm down I, right I, now. 
I wrote that. That's it's quite a tricky riff, right? So I wrote that in a hotel room somewhere with Biffy. I can't remember where it was, but I was drunk. I had a guitar in my room, and because I was drunk, I had I could feel the riff, I could hear the riff, but I couldn't play it. And as I got drunker and drunker, the harder <laughs> This is, I was like, I've got to fucking get this down because there's no way I'm going to remember it in the morning. I managed to get it. And then just kept trying, kept coming back to it. It was called That Fucking Riff, the, se- the, the, the <laughs> session. I was like, I've got to work this out. I've got to work this out. And anyway, programmed a beat to do another section, then glued it onto the riff and went, oh God, no, the fucking one swung and one straight. Like instead of being a shuffle, and then I was like, "Oh God, how the fuck am I going to do this?" So I had to write another bit to just glue it together. Like, okay, well, they okay, that fucking works, and I'm really glad it's a total sort of pace change. It all it these bits that don't fucking belong together, but it works nice, you know. Oh, the whole album is, you know, the way it flows and everything, you obviously pay a lot of attention to um, the Audrey and all that kind of stuff. You know, I know you say that you, you didn't think at the time it was as good as your album before, but mm. I think you're wrong. But no, you know, I, know, I, I, I get it now. I like I'm, all I'm, three. So. I'm really, I'm really proud that, um, like people have said that it's like literally the best thing I've ever done. Everything I'm, I'm everything I'm ever going to do is going to, going to be compared to the old band. And I'm all right with that. You know, it's like, there was some incredible fucking characters and musicianship in in that in that old band, and I feel tremendously lucky to have to have done it. You know, I I feel like as the years go on, there's just more and more interest in Ocean Size, and uh, we're going to be reissuing the second two albums soon because we get the rights back, so we'll we'll put them out again. Cool. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, there's maybe there'll be a bunch of extras. I, I get same talking about what I was on about before, where there's just loads of material that I don't finish. That last Ocean Size album was the fucking worst for that. We 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 built our own studio, so we were making a new song every day. There was so much fucking stuff, and then I'd try and sing on it and go. I can't do it. I've got nothing. This sucks. So the song was dead because I couldn't finish it. I couldn't. It's, like, it's one of those things, you know, you can play all day. You can put all these cool ideas down with all these amazing players. But until the fucking singer can get his shit together to put something over it to do it justice, it ain't a fucking song. And I couldn't do it. Um, there, was a, there was another song that made it onto the album called Oscar Acceptance Speech, where I was like, this is a fucking incredible piece of music that uh, Stephen Hodson, the bass player, had, had written the whole thing. And I loved it. We all loved it. But every time I tried to sing on it, I was like, this fucking sucks. I've got nothing here, lads. So Steve DeRose and Gambler literally sat down and composed uh, a melody to go over the top. And I just wrote the words to that. And you can hear it, you know, but it's like it's a melody that I would never, ever come up with. Um, so yeah, there's, that was a hard record to make in some respects because it's one of them things where you're like, well, what now? And, but everything, because everything was made by fucking committee, you all had to argue about absolutely everything that you did. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, Cause it was completely collaborative band. Yeah. There, there, there was no, well, I always say it's the fucking Tom York quote where it's like, we operate like the UN, like the United Nations 
but I'm America. You know, so it's like I will do what I think is right, and that's that's why certain songs didn't get finished because I just didn't know what the fuck to do with them. Um, but yeah, it was it was very much a a collaborative experience, and that's why it was so fucking good. A lot of the ideas, a lot of the good ideas, came from Mark, the drummer, um, because he would just have beats all the time that he insisted you fucking try and play to, and often. <laughs> he'd be frustrated because he couldn't come up with something that was in his head and he, he didn't play guitar or anything like that. So it was like, do you mean this? Do you mean that? And he's like, no! Um, <laughs> so it was fucking really hard work. But, you know, let's say, for the most part, he, he, he had fucking really good ideas, you know. So do you think, it's ever, is, is, it, is it something that you would ever go and revisit? What, reform? Yeah, yeah. Is that something, anything that's ever um, been on the cards? There's, there's been talk of it. Art Tangent are always offering large sums of money. Well, you're perfect for that thing. <laughs> perfect. Not large enough. No, it's fair enough, isn't it, at the end of the day? What was your favourite Ocean Size album? Uh, either the second one, Everyone Into Position, or the third one, Frames. Yeah, yeah. They're both... They're both quite different. Again, uh, when we were mixing and mastering frame, it, when we were making frames. So, so you were saying uh, frames, uh, uh, yeah, or yeah, frame, or yeah. We, when we when we were making <laughs> frames, it was a really really organic period because we mm. had this guy in the band, uh, Steve Nodson, had joined on bass, and he brought with him a very different energy. So we we stopped kind of writing on screen and we were just jamming and jamming and jamming and all the time. So all, we had all these really fucking long songs and there was there was no way anything was going to be a, a, a single or anything like that. And we were like, you know, gave it to the record company, like, sorry. <laughs> uh, but when, it, when we were, it was only, I thought, you know, well, we're so different now. We're not as good as we used to be. Uh, you know, I was a bit despondent about it. And then again, when we were mixing it and mastering it, I was like, you know what? This is fucking brilliant. This is so nobody fucking does this. Um, I, I without with Ocean Size, I think I always had a bit of fucking weird identity complex. I didn't know what we were supposed to be, and then in the end, I kind of embraced that. Mm. Um, but again, embracing it, the last album, I think all the songs are fucking brilliant. But it, I don't know if it's an album, you know. Right, right. Yeah, That's an interesting way to look at. It's, it's my fault as much as anything. So I was like, fuck it, you know. Like, it's like the White Album. There's loads of different kinds of fucking ideas on there. They don't necessarily all have to fit together. Fuck it, just, you know. No, I suppose um, not. Yeah, but sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. I don't know. It's a, it's a good album. All the songs are great, but the last record, it just kind of don't hang together as well as it should. Um, but yeah, Frames is... Uh, it's quite an undertaking, a lot of complexity, but uh, again, it was all put together very organically. It was all played live. Right. Well. Amazing. This, yeah. you know, I mean, you must, you guys must have been so tight to be able to play that live, you know. What we always used to do before we'd book a, we booked the studio once we'd got everything to a point where we thought it was going to be good, and then we'd we play four or five gigs. And after playing nothing but the new stuff, and then from the fifth gig, we'd drive directly to the studio and record the album. And we'd be right. fucking on fire by that. Oh, amazing! Absolutely fucking amazing. 
That's an interesting way of doing it. It's just having like live warm ups, yeah, four or five times, and then just recording. I mean, it. We, we we did that on the 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 second album, but it, that that none of that is live. None of that. One a couple of tracks stayed. It was basically that we did all the drums at one place and then decamped to our mate's basement studio and did the rest of it there. Mm. In five or six weeks, we did that whole album, and honestly when we gave it to the guy to mix it, he was like, how long did you fucking make this in? And we were like five, six weeks. He's like, it sounds like you've been doing this for fucking years. There's so much shit in here, you know? And he was the guy that like fucking makes albums with Coldplay and stuff. And we'd just been banging it out on our shitty little fucking iBook, you know? <laughs> uh, that's amazing, isn't it? You know, just, just hearing like the, I mean, as uh, with regards to recording, do you prefer like the kind of like more kind of the live tracks or do you prefer sort of laying things, like layering things? Uh, it's much the same. I think that I, I don't have a preference, you know. Um, I guess that the, the way that I am now, my, my, my taste does sort of veer towards more the, the live guitar thing. And we were very much a, a, a live guitar band at that point. Yeah, John, the guy who'd left the band, the bass player, was also the programming guy. So he would be making these program demos of electronic stuff. When he left, we didn't really do any of that. So there's nothing like that on frames, really. Right, right. And, and also talking about frames, I read something the other day that um, Robin Fink did the artwork. For Robin Correct. From, from Guns yeah. N' Roses and um, Nine Inch Nails, Nine obviously. Nails, yeah. How did that well, come about? <laughs> Literally, um, we needed something. I, I just happened to chance upon his website where he had all his artwork on. Right. And I, I just fucking loved it. And I showed it to everybody and I went, yeah. And, you know, at that point, at that point, we'd really struggled with artwork because the first album had been such an incredible piece of concept. Again, from Mark, he, Mark wanted, for the first time he wanted it to be, he came up with the idea of like, let's just send a lot of shit through a wind tunnel and photograph that. We couldn't do that. So it's jets of ink going through directional flow of water. And that worked out just incredible. You know, I, that, that is not my department. I don't know about any of that shit. And Mark came up with that. It was amazing. Uh, the next EP, Music for Nurses EP, just ended up being a black piece of shit cover because we couldn't think of anything. <laughs> and then uh, Frames was was looking like that was going to be a red piece of shit cover with nothing on because nobody could think of anything. And I just found Robin's stuff. And now Robin think, you know, me and Gambler went to see, and John Ellis at the time, John Ellis, the bass player, went to see Nine Inch Nails when we were like 17 at Manchester Academy, 1994. And we, we fucking, you know, they, they blew the fucking place apart. It was just <laughs> punishing. Um, and we always loved Robin Fink. It was like that, that fucking way that guy plays guitar. It really informed the way Gambler plays, you know. So, yeah, anyway, I just, I get to email Robin Fink and say, hey, can we do this? And he was so fucking decent about it. He paid, this. this is what I'm told by our management. Anyway, he paid for like lawyers and all the rest of it to all these contracts to be drawn up so that we could use it on t-shirts and fucking album covers, posters, anything we wanted. And it was all fine. It was like, you don't need to do that. You can just say, you can just tell us that, you know, <laughs> it's fine, but he wanted to do it all properly. 
And he really got paid peanuts for it, I'd imagine, because, you know, everything was done on a piece of shit budget. Anyway, so strangely enough, uh, 2013, um, me and Gambler are playing for Biffy and Nine Inch Nails are supporting us. Like, hey. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> uh, and Robin's playing guitar. So oh my God. we finally meet him and it was beautiful. It was absolutely wonderful for about an hour. Did you talk uh, about, obviously you must have talked about that album, Mark. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I'd, still, I'd remained in contact with him via email, uh, but then it all kicked off because um, Trent Reznor took umbrage with Biffy. He, he, he had some elaborate fucking production for Leeds and Reading, which we were headlining. They were on before us. Yeah. And there, there wasn't enough room on the stage to do it because Biffy's production was in the way of their production. <laughs> and he went absolutely fucking spasmodic about it. It's a long time ago now. And I like to think that, you know, he's thawed over it. I'm sure he has, you know, we've all matured, but um, it was awkward because I had to, me and Robin had to kind of pretend to not be friends because oh, no. <laughs> the thing between Biffy and Nine Inch Nails was fucking mental, man. Oh, and really? it, was, it was incredibly, uh, not disappointing as such, but just electrifying for me and Gambler. It was like, wow, Nine Inch Nails want to fucking kill us, man. Our hero, <laughs> you know, and he, he really was. I'd brought a, a fucking vinyl copy of the Downward Spiral to get signed. I was like, this is my fucking moment. I get to fucking meet Trent Reznor and say, give me some of that magic. And it didn't fucking happen at all. Oh, man. what a shame. <laughs> and he said, oh. move your smoke machine. <laughs> no. I saw them on the Fragile tour and I I think it was Brixton Academy. And yeah, I've never seen anything like it. Like at one point he, he like ran to the front of the stage and he had, I remember having this black Les Paul and he just threw it into the crowd as hard as he could. Oh I was God. like, Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm expecting people to go past like, on a stretcher, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was. It, it, it felt like somebody was going to get fucking hurt at that game. Yeah, that was um, crazy. Through the Manchester show, he threw Robin into the crowd. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Insane, Carnage, man. God, great live band, though. Eh? Yeah, I, yeah, we went to see them uh, recently at the Apollo, and uh, they came on with um, somewhat damaged from the fragile. Yeah. It, like they'd filled the place with fucking smoke. You couldn't see a damn thing. And he just came on on his own. And when the first drop happened, Steve DeRose was sat next to me and he literally jumped out of his seat going, <laughs> fuck me! <laughs> it was like, just so loud. And just this abrupt fucking drop with, with just strobes just bleaching your fucking eyes out. You're like, ah! <laughs> I can't fucking handle, I can't handle this one. It was amazing. Oh. Really amazing. So you like you like all the new stuff and like everything they've done, like the you know the bad yeah, witch and all that I kind of stuff. Check it out. I, I, I guess for the most part, I prefer they, they did did a couple of those ghosts instrumental records. A yeah, years ago. I thought they were fantastic. I, I, I kind of prefer more of that, uh, to be honest. But the live show, it was it was cathartic as fuck. They they, mm. they really brought you know everybody's got a reason to be fucking angry at the moment. Uh, you know. Especially in this country, well, in every fucking country, everything's <laughs> terrible. Um, and everything's- to 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 see a band like that just goes like, no, for the most part, we're just gonna make an abrasive fucking noise. Yeah, for an hour and a half, and it was like, 
this is fucking great. This God, yeah. Like, from, from like being a kid, like I had a VHS of them playing Woodstock when they were just covered in mud. Yeah, Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. I think it had Primus on and Nine Inch Nails on it, and I played that until there was no tape left and it was over man, and yeah. over. It was just, just amazing. Um, yeah. Again, you'd never seen anything like that in those days. Like it was the closest thing to like the fucking Alice Cooper show or something for the nineties, you know, just like this guy's a fucking mentalist, you know. So cool. it's all about broken and fixed for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I actually said this to Red Method on the last one, didn't I? Yeah. Broken and fixed EPs. Oh, they were fantastic. Spiral. Just listen to them to death. Have you ever seen Spiral so incredibly sort of abstract? Like, you know, apart from everything having distortion on it, just everything's a bit out of tune. You've got all these weird percussive thing like loads and loads of just shitty things and just hitting yeah. things machines together. Yeah. the sounds of machines moving around yeah like the start so- of reptile that <laughs> yeah, all yeah. that shit going on is like, oh i yeah. love it though i love it and like some of it just sounds like it's been recorded on a fucking cassette from 1972 it's just probably was it sounds fucking awful but it's amazing <laughs> reptile for me that was literally that that song was like Everything. Oh. When they used to play March of the Pigs down Club Art. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Good you times. Kick the shit out of you, didn't you, that song? <laughs> oh, it's just nothing better. Can I ask you a proper weird question that we ask everyone? Right. It's not sexual. <laughs> no, we'll never ask that. <laughs> if you want to answer it, you've only got one song to send out to the universe. And I know there's new pictures of the universe now, so there's a hell of a lot of galaxies that are going <laughs> to hear this one song, your submission. Any artist. From Earth. I think I know what you're going to say. You're never going to think It's that. in my head. It's Dirty Boy by the Cardiacs. Oh, no, it wasn't what I thought you were going to say. What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say Dope Smoker. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I should. Just because... Well, everybody needs to hear Dope Smoker. Now, um, Dirty Boy by Cardiacs is like a fucking transmission from another planet anyway. Um, it just... God, how can I explain it? It's about sort of eight minutes long, and it's like a constantly evolving cadence of key change that never resolves. It goes round and round and round. It's hard to follow. It's hard to spot any kind of discernible pattern in it. And you probably don't even spot the pattern until you've been listening to it about 25 times. Um, It sounds like absolutely nothing else that's ever been written. It's both incredibly heartbreaking, incredibly celebratory, incredibly heavy and fucking relentlessly loud. It just, and it just goes up and up and up. It's uh, yeah, it's just fucking electrifying. It's a song that, I, I listened to an awful lot for about 20 years and now I put it on very sparingly because I don't want to waste its magic. But when I do, it makes me feel a way that no other song does. It's so powerful. It's just so powerful. We'll have to play that in the car on the way home. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's what loud. you're sending that out into space. That is, yeah, it's called like Dirty that. Boy. It's by Cardiacs. There's, there's awesome. nothing like it. Wait till you get to that end section and, yeah, it'll fuck you up. Yeah, looking forward to checking that out. I know we've spoke before and you've told me to check out the Cardiacs. And yeah, I mean, like, I've you listened know. listened to bits and pieces. They're, they're, a, ba- they're a hard band to, to, to click with, but um, 
once you once you get it and once you bond with it, you'll struggle to give a fuck about anyone else because they'll just take over your life for fucking years. Um, yeah. When you played it to me, I said, this is weed smoking music, didn't I? <laughs> that's, why, that, that's why I said, because I, I would have loved that back in the day. <laughs> it's certainly music to empty a party to. I've done that plenty of times. Um, yeah. so listen, I've got one more question for you, Mark, before we let you get on with your evening. Okay. Um, straight off the bat, what is your best and funniest tour story? doesn't matter who it's with, what band, what when you've been laughing so hard because something so ridiculous has happened. Oh, God. We've had a few. We had a guy from the Wild Hearts who threw himself... What did he do? He threw himself through the scanner at an airport and went through the scanner. You've interviewed Inter- John Poole? No, no, no. We, we interviewed CJ. That so was John right. Poole who did that, man. Yeah. He's talking out of his ass. No, no, he was telling us about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He told us the story about him going through it. Yeah, well, John Japan. Paul used to be in Cardiacs. Right, right, right. Oh, really? And uh, he's on Dirty Boy. He's on that song. Anyway. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I've got nothing to top that. Uh, funniest fucking thing. Come on, mate. I forgot about that until you mentioned it. That was funny, <laughs> wasn't it? That, that was story. a good story. Um, so much happens on tour. Come on, man. What's the funniest thing that's ever happened? Or just the weirdest. Just any, any you must story. have had some crazy like fan shit as well, like people asking for weird stuff. No, no, I've never had anything like that. I mean, it doesn't get any weirder than the drummer showing up on fucking acid. <laughs> but, um, I don't know what else I've got, really. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I mean, what about with Biffy? I mean, they obviously they must they seem like funny guys when you see them on video and stuff. They must they're have hilarious. a laugh. They're, they're great fun. I just I struggle to pinpoint a funny story because every day the thing is the thing is with, with touring, especially with Biffy, is that every day is the same in jokes, and I could try and explain them to now to you now. They won't be funny. No, um, no, I can get so, that. Yeah. So it's like. Um, <clears throat> I, I just can't think of anything. But for the most part, every day is fucking hilarious. And it's that thing, you know, the last run we did, every single day, something bad happened. Like, be it your fucking plane gets delayed by four hours, the car that's meant to take you to the fucking hotel doesn't show up, the car that's meant to take you from the hotel to the taxi, uh, to, the, to, the, to the plane doesn't show up. So you're just in this constant state of fucking freak out wondering if you're going to make the gig if you're going to make the flight fucking panic 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 and so it's one of those things that with biffy it's kind of taught me to just fucking ride it out let the fucking tour manager do his job and sit fucking get a pint and laugh it off whereas in the past i would have fucking shat myself freaked out you know it's like well one way or the other i throw i mean i I've probably told this story before, but um, we played one night in. Uh, oh, this is the fr- you know I was talking about when you go out when we used to go out in Oceanside and play five gigs and then go into the studio. Well, the first night yeah. just playing new material. The first night was at Carlisle Brickyard and we played to fucking nobody. Um, and we jumped in the van. We got trousered on fucking Jägermeister. You're all a big Jägermeister fan. <laughs> Uh, drove to um, 
we were meant to be driving to a travel lodge, but we couldn't get in. Um, and I remember, like I say, we were all drunk as hell. But Steve DeRose was fucking having a go at us all, going, just fucking let us in the travel lodge. Just unlock the fucking door. And we were like, Steve, we can't get in, man. It's fucking locked. <laughs> and he went, right, fuck all you lot. See you in Stoke. And went and goes and gets back in the van. We're not playing Stoke the next day. We're playing fucking Southampton. Like, <laughs> anyway, we can't get in. So we all go get back in the van. Uh, and we get driven to our respective houses because we're only in Nutsford. So it's like, fuck it, let's just go home. All get dropped off at like six o'clock in the morning. Steve's wrecked. He can't get back into his flat because his flatmates left the fucking key in the door. So he just sleeps on the landing off his fucking head. <laughs> we all get pe- picked up at like 11. We've got to drive to Southampton. Uh, we get about halfway there and the fucking van breaks down. So somehow we managed to pull into this like, side road where we're suddenly in a barn and we're like we can't fucking we, we're ringing the management and we're like we're fucked we can't we're not going to get to this gig this van's absolutely fucked and they're like oh ringing us back and we can't get a van we can't get a van so we just start getting pissed we've got a few cans in the fridge like on we go and then they send this fucking van to us the promoter is insisting that the gig's gonna happen so he sends a van from southampton picks us up we get there just as the support band is fucking saying thank you and good night. We're like, <laughs> oh my god, we've had a few spliffs with fucking <laughs> a few cans. We're like, oh my god, right, fucking here we go. This we are going to do this. We, and you know, it wasn't a fucking van. It wasn't a band van. It was just a fucking van. So we've just been like spread eagle on top of all these fucking amps all the way there. Load it on and play an absolute fucking blinder. It was brilliant. We smashed it. Oh, well, that's good. So that's about the funniest <laughs> Oceanside story I've got. To be honest, Oceanside wasn't a fun band to be in for the most part. It really fucking wasn't. So that's one of the few fun stories I've got. Hard work. It's like you say, you either had absolute blinders or absolute nightmares. Yeah. If a gig went okay, I probably don't remember it. <laughs> I don't know if that's depressing or not. It's like because they were they were very few and far between. Oh, thanks, Mike. You've you've been amazing. What a you great have. evening we've you had listening to you. Oh, mate, and just chatting about music and just shooting all that shit, man. It's been brilliant. Thanks you've for having me. Nobody guest. else fucking nobody else wants me. <laughs> oh, I just mate. don't do them. I'm, that's oh, why. I'm, mate. I'm we'll so, do it again. We'll do I'm it so ill prepared, you know, because I just <laughs> don't do them. I don't do it. It was anything. worth the wait, my yeah, friend. Yeah, 100%. Thank you so much. Very Thank kind. you so much for coming on. We'll speak to you soon. All right, guys. Take Cheers, care. Cheers, Mike. See take care. Bye. Bye, mate. Bye.
place in the crap podcast. Oh,